This MDU access policy is truly part of a, a broader scope here in San Francisco of work around internet connectivity and internet access. Welcome to episode 231 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. Residents of apartment buildings or other types of multi-dwelling units don't always have the choice of internet service provider, even if there are two or three companies competing in their neighborhood. Owners of the buildings they live in have been known to restrict access to the buildings to one provider. As a result, tenants who want internet access have no practical choice at all. In episode number 231, Mark Farrell joins Christopher. Mark is from the San Francisco Board of Supervisors and has introduced legislation that would create an ordinance to allow competing ISPs access to multi-dwelling units. Mark explains the ordinance and why the city needs to implement it. He also describes how this policy is only one part of the city's greater effort to improve connectivity for all its residents. Now here's Chris talking with Mark Farrell, supervisor from the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, about a new proposal to remove restrictions of subscriber choice for people who live in multi-dwelling units. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell. Today I'm speaking with Supervisor Mark Farrell of the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I think I'd like to jump right in and just ask, you're proposing a law that deals with condo and apartment buildings. Uh, What would your law fix? Well, right now in San Francisco, we have um, a huge number of multi-dwelling unit buildings, or MDUs as they are called, um, where tenants have not been able to get access to the internet service providers that they want. Um, And we obviously have a number of larger incumbents here in San Francisco um, but fundamentally, from my perspective, you know, internet access has to be viewed in today's world as an economic right. Um, it's no longer a nice to have. It's it's simply part of functioning in our everyday lives. And so, you know, this fits along the theme of expanding internet access, uh, you know, certainly across our country, but more specifically here in San Francisco, and making sure that you know when there are internet service providers that want to access these larger buildings. Um, that our laws are as flexible as possible to make sure that that happens and we can facilitate that. And so you actually are aware of circumstances in which there are people in these buildings that cannot get access to the provider of their choice? Absolutely. You know, we have had a number of Internet service providers um, that have started to work in San Francisco over over the past number of years, uh, including Google, um, that have, uh, you know, have documented you know, tens of thousands of tenants in our city um, that want access to different uh, different ISPs but are not able to gain access because of landlord or other building rules. Um, and again, we want to work with our building owners, we want to work with our tenants, with our internet service providers, including the major incumbents here in San Francisco, to, to really put forth legislation that um, facilitates access across the board. Um, ultimately, you know, buildings are going to be better off, right? When If you think from a building owner's perspective, so long as we put the right provisions in place, if they are wired with more ISPs, better connectivity, the value of their buildings are going to increase as well. And, and it's certainly a tenant issue, um, in particular here in San Francisco. And, and I'm simply a strong believer in making sure that we facilitate Internet access as much as possible you know, here in our city through laws like this and, and other mechanisms as well. And, and just briefly, I saw that, that the number of buildings that could be impacted by this is in the, the hundreds. Absolutely. Um, I don't think that I realized when we dug into this issue how pervasive the matter is here in San Francisco, how many people it actually could affect. 
Um, but when we did a lot more research and, and again work with you know, both building owners and ISPs um, and doing our own research here at the Board of Supervisors realized really how large the, the issue is here in San Francisco and wanted to make sure that we did everything possible to, to correct uh, and facilitate once again uh, internet access and the ease of internet access for residents of San Francisco across the board. Now, one of the things I find interesting is the different providers that are involved. I saw that Caltel is uh, is consulting with you on this. You've you're working with some of the local providers. You mentioned Google, and I have a sense that there's a little bit of hesitation from the incumbents, who presumably have more of these contracts that would potentially be voided um, through this legislation. But it sounds like there's a, a real discussion. This isn't something that's sort of just the su- the board of supervisors pushing it on the city. This is something where there's a real ecosystem discussion going on. Having worked on a lot of connectivity and internet access issues over the last two years, and and we have a, a pipeline of issues that we're going to continue to push in this arena uh, here in San Francisco. I mean, fundamentally, that we are the innovation capital of the world in San Francisco, yet our download speeds on average are on par with Mexico City um, is simply a shame. You know, we need to be much better. We need to be a lot more forward thinking here in our city. Um, and I am happy to and eager to push the envelope on on these issues to make sure that we really um, capture a lot of the really ethos of our city and make sure that the technology that is making our city so famous right now is coming down to roost and really to, to the benefit of everyday residents in our city, even if they're not involved in the technology industry. Um, and once we've you know dug into this issue and how many residents it did affect, you know, from my perspective, uh, I'm not one to work on legislation without consulting people that it affects. And so from building owners to tenants to incumbent ISPs to ISPs that are attempting to to you know create a market here in San Francisco, I want to make sure we, that we did something that was um, that everyone was aware of. We've had multiple meetings with every constituent group that this affects. Um, and we'll continue to do so. And we've amended the legislation, you know, to make sure that we reflect certain um, questions or concerns, um, make sure that if there was any oversight on our end that we, um, you know, while keeping the obviously the core of the legislation intact, that we were able to do things to make sure that people could uh, could support the legislation as well. And speaking of oversight, one of the things that I found interesting is that uh, I couldn't just show up at an apartment building and say, let me in. I'm an ISP. Uh, there's a procedure, and one and an ISP has to register with the California Public Utilities Commission. Is that something new, or is that just you're just taking advantage of something that's already been happening? This has already been happening. You know, that is one provision we're continuing to look at uh, here at the Board of Supervisors and, and potentially subject to amendment. But the basic principle is that we want to open up the market in San Francisco to serious ISPs, but we don't want it to be, you know, a mom and pop or, or Supervisor Mark Farrell out there with his new consulting business or new ISP business, a one-man shop, um, and opening up, you know, a ton of liability issues or, or otherwise or, or enabling, you know, people who are not seriously in this business. We want to make sure there's a level of a threshold level here of ISPs that, um, you know, people have the right licenses, have the correct approvals, whether it be the state level or otherwise, to make sure that these businesses, both tenants and building owners know, are legitimate, that they're coming into these buildings, um, because ultimately we don't want this to be, you know, you know, fly by the seat of their pants, you know, fly by night businesses that disappear. Um, you know, if when we're talking about wiring, we're talking about other things, infrastructure inside of buildings, we obviously want to incentivize uh, companies and ISPs that are built to last um, and that are going to continue to take their, you know, their 
ISP responsibilities seriously for years to come. Something I want to note again is that we're talking about uh, proposed legislation. My impression is that this is something that has uh, support but is still being amended, and you just made a, a comment to that. Uh, we'll talk uh, toward the end of the conversation in a couple of minutes just about what the next steps are. Uh, yeah. But I wanted to get into uh, a few of the details, um, one being uh, you know, one of the things I've found in, as I learned about this industry is that internal wiring can be a mess. And I'm curious how your legislation deals with all the different situations from a building that may already be set up for multiple ISPs to a building that is only set up for one ISP today? How does your legislation uh, tackle that? It's a great question. I, I Pretty core to the actual implementation um, you know, of this bill. You know, what we want to do is provide access for, you know, a broad range of ISPs um, to come in and compete. We obviously are not prioritizing one or the other. Um, we want to just enable competition and hopefully from our residents' perspective, that ultimately will mean <clears throat> better service at, at cheaper prices. Um, so, you know, when an ISP comes into a building, they have to, first of all, provide all insurance and indemnification if there's any construction or any connectivity that they're going to have or work they have to do on the building or connecting to the building. That is all the responsibility of, of the new ISP that comes in. Um, and then in terms of once they're in the building, I think there's obviously going to be a question here. Do they use existing internal wiring, um, existing utility boxes? If they do so, uh, they're going to have to pay what's called just and reasonable con compensation, and that's a defined term under state law. Um, that will have to those those details will be worked out between the the new ISP and either the building owner and or, or the building owner. Um, and we want to make sure, again, that we enable competition, but at the same point in time, any ISP that comes in is going to have to bear the financial responsibility, both from a construction perspective or what have you, compensating people for using their utility boxes or tapping into existing wiring, um, but also making sure that they're the ones bearing the indemnification and other insurance costs of all the work that goes involved. And you mentioned the just and reasonable compensation, which was one of the other points. Uh, you mentioned it's, it's already codified in state law. It's a known concept. Right. But would that allow a landlord to demand $10 per month per subscriber for, or something along those lines? We wrote the law on purpose um, to make sure that it complies with state law. If we did anything different and if we got more proscriptive, uh, it would subject the law to a lot of legal vulnerability. Um, and so I think that is one part of the legislation um, that we will have to see, you know, what happens in the open market. Obviously, you know, if ISPs come in and strike a relationship or you know, strike a financial arrangement with a building owner without the use of our legislation, you know, more power to them. We'd actually very much encourage that. This is, you know, our legislation is there to be relied upon if need be. Um, and I think the, the, obviously the cases are very much there and the need is there today. Um, but if it goes down that road, it's going to be a private negotiation. And, and you know, ho hopefully it's something that, that parties can settle. Um, you know, ultimately, could, could a court weigh in here? Absolutely. Um, but, it, you know, it was not going to be prudent uh, for us and this legislation to actually prescribe anything more than, than, than the state law provides. And I think it's it's wise to provide that floor and to let others build on it. Um, and one of the articles that I read suggested that over time uh, we'll see what happens as I think the courts uh, deal with this if there's disputes and people aren't able to uh, solve their issues amongst themselves. Exactly. 
in, in many facets of life if the courts don't have to be involved. Um, but if they do, obviously that's what they're there for. And um, we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're doing everything we can to, to set up the legislation to be, you know, to be middle of the road, to be just. And, and you know, ultimately, again, if the courts have to weigh in, they do. And one of the things that um, a lot of next century cities, San Francisco being one of the many next century cities in the organization, um, one of the things we've seen from cities is that they're really interested in this, but their abilities to pass these sorts of laws really depend on the state that they're in. Uh, what is it about California law that allows you to do this? And, and I think you already mentioned that you're kind of within a narrow area that you bounds that you have to operate within. Uh, but how do we know that San Francisco is allowed to do this under California state law? Well, I think what we've seen is you know, across the country in a number of states, um, some of the larger incumbent telecom players uh, pushing legislation that prohibits local municipalities from either pushing larger fiber projects on their own or or really you know, implementing any law they're under. Um, and we simply don't have that here in California. So it's it's truly the absence of prohibiting prohibitive legislation at the state level that allows us to do this. You know, it is it's the status quo here in California. Obviously, we don't want to see that in Sacramento. I have a strong sense that it would never pass in our state. Um, if you see some of the states that um, that have passed these laws, they're heavily red states uh, across our country, um, and I simply think it would be a massively bad idea from a public policy perspective. Um, but we have to be realistic that other states do have these pro- prohibitions in place. Um, and you know those the states that do are, are severely constricted in terms of what they can do at the local level. Fortunately, that's not the case with us in California, um, and which allows us here in San Francisco to, to again be progressive about the issues that we're going to push. And I think that's one of the the benefits of home rule that my organization so beloves. Um, just as we wrap up, what are the next steps for making this uh, happen? So we had the legislation at committee last week on November the 30th, and it will be front of be in front of the full board of supervisors. Uh, this afternoon, and um, in order for a law to to pass here in San Francisco, it needs two votes at the Board of Supervisors. So obviously our hope is that by the end of um, the legislative session here in December, we will have the law passed and it will it will start to be implemented early next year. Great. Well, I think that's really exciting. This is going to be a wonderful precedent. Is there anything else you want to tell us about what uh, San Francisco is doing or what you'd like to see the city do? From my perspective, this MDU access policy is truly part of a, a broader scope here in San Francisco of work around internet connectivity and internet access. Internet access is simply a fundamental right, and it should be viewed as such in today's world. It has been reclassified at the federal level as utility. I actually was able to pass legislation earlier this year in 2016 to make sure that any future broadband or fiber efforts in, in San Francisco across the city is actually housed under our Public Utilities Commission. So it's really time as a country and certainly as a city that we start talking about it in those terms. But more importantly, in our city, the digital divide is very much a part of our city today. You know, as we are the innovation capital of the world, as we have such a technology revolution uh, happening in our own city, we still have over 100,000 San Francisco residents without internet access at home, which is crazy from my perspective, and another 50,000 residents that have dial-up speeds. So this is a fundamental issue that we very much have to work on here at home. Um, and so this is a piece of the puzzle, um, but it's part of a broader picture that I think very much we need to address as a city. If we're going to both be serious about you know, lifting those up that need our help in our society and in our city. Um, without internet access, I simply don't know how people function in today's world. 
um, or certainly how we're expected to give people a leg up in today's world without internet access at home. Uh, but more importantly, from an infrastructure perspective, you know, we want to continue to be the innovation capital of the world for decades and generations to come. And if we continue to have lagging infrastructure as a city from a from business perspective, that's also a problem. So there's all the reason in the world to work on this issue. There's all the reason in the world to push this issue hard. Um, this legislation will, again, be a piece of the puzzle, an important piece from my perspective, um, but it's certainly part of a broader topic that we're going to continue to push uh, here inside of City Hall. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time today and also for being a real leader on these issues. This is uh, the first time we've seen legislation like it, and it's uh, terrific. Well, thanks for having me on today and look forward to continuing the discussion. That was Mark Farrell, a supervisor with the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, discussing their proposed ordinance that will allow more competing ISPs access to multi-dwelling units. Check out the San Francisco tag at muninetworks.org for more on this story and other developments in the city. Remember, we have transcripts for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcasts at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter where the handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and all of the podcasts in the ILSR family on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Never miss out on our original research by also subscribing to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. Thank you to Admiral Bob for the song Turbo Tornado licensed through Creative Commons, and thank you for listening to episode 231 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. (laughs) 